They call me Big John, Big John, the the Southern guy. That's who I am, and we are glad to have you back here on this big show that we call the Y'all Show, broadcasting on great stations in the land of cotton. And boy, that cotton's a blooming right now across the Southeast. I've seen it bloom in a couple different states in the last few days, and boy, does it look nice. Hopefully, our farmers out there are going to get a nice crop and make a few bucks here in the next couple of months, all you farmers out there that have crops like cotton and I guess soybeans are available. I, I don't know enough about row crops. I'm going to just shut my mouth, but I'm not going to shut my mouth about talking about the Southeast, maybe not row crops, but I, I will not remain silent on how awesome this part of the world is. And that's what we do each and every day here on the y'all show. We accentuate Dixie. We tell you what's going on. We give you the news. We give you the the cultural aspects, the food, the travel, the gossip, the entertainment news, and a little bit of sports talk from time to time right here on the show that shakes the Southland, powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. And let me give you a little preview of what we got coming up on this Tuesday Y'all Show that we want you to be part of. We have a star-studded Tuesday Y'all Show. We've got truly a national celeb coming on today's program. As we have Todd Starnes. You might remember him from his days on Fox News Channel. Todd Starnes is based in Memphis, and he is a nationally syndicated talk show host and is heard on over 140 radio affiliates, including our flagship station of Super Talk 93.1. And Todd Starnes, not only is he a Southerner doing well, but he has written a couple of books. And so as part of our Southern Book Report coming up in Hour 2 today, we're going to go to the Bluff City and catch up with Todd Starnes and find out about his biscuit book that has been out a little while. And then he's got an awesome new book that will be available soon, but you can go ahead and pre-order it now. And Todd's going to tell you about all the aspects of his book and more about his career, what he's got going on with Newsmax and more. It's a little political, it's a little book, and it's a whole lot of Southern. When Todd Starnes is our special guest in hour number two today, you don't want to miss that. Todd was actually off the radio Monday under the weather, so hopefully we can connect and have him on today. And even if he, I think even if he is sick and not feeling quite up to par, I think knowing Todd the way I do, and I don't know him personally, but I I know him through the radio, which is good enough. I think he's going to go the extra mile to come on the y'all show. Don't you think I do? You know what? I know he is because I saw on Monday, he actually liked our post about him appearing on today's y'all show. So the big guy, big as in, you know. He's a national figure, 140 affiliates. Pretty good job there, Todd Starnes. He liked us on social media, and that's important to us here at Y'all to, 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 to get that kind of appreciation. Okay? All right, no, it's not that important. But I did see that he liked us, so that's that's kind of neat. Yeah, when he and the Patriot Pastor like your show and like your post, then you're doing pretty good. <laughs> so we got that coming up. And and then if that's not enough star power on this Tuesday y'all show in hour number three, we're going to be joined by Jerry Short, the Takapola storyteller. He's going to join us here for a great conversation. So we got that coming up on today's program. We've got also in this opening hour, our Southern political report, what's going on 
in the states of Kentucky, Mississippi, and Virginia. Those are your three southern states that have competitive elections going on in the next couple of weeks. There was actually a debate Monday in Kentucky between Daniel Cameron and Andy Bashir, the sitting governor of the Bluegrass State. I'll give you a report on how that went. But also, I'll give you some polling about Kentucky, some poll numbers coming out of the state of Mississippi. One surprise poll, actually, but most of the polls coming out of the Magnolia State seem to favor Tate Reeves. We'll tell you about that. And also, it's not a gubernatorial race in the Commonwealth of Virginia right now. However, it is a midterm-type deal where the state legislature is up for grabs. And will the state of Virginia get even more red, or is it going to go back to what it had been in recent years, blue, or is it going to stay in a hue of purple? All that is part of our Southern Political Report coming up later in this hour. We also have, coming up in today's Y'all Show, hour number two, in addition to talking about books in hour two, we're going to tell you about entertainment news and more. More details coming out on the death of Suzanne Summers. We tragically lost her over the weekend, the actress that uh, for those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s, she was one of our, okay, it, it may be a little weird to say this, but as a, a youngster growing up in the time period that her show was on TV, she was a bit of a sex symbol alongside Catherine Bach. I don't think I had a Suzanne Summers photo on my wall, but I sure had a Catherine Bach and a Jane, no, 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 not a Jane Fonda. Uh, I had a, uh, 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 what, good Lord, senior moment here, y'all. The lady that was married to Lee Majors, um, Farrah Fawcett, that's who I'm trying to think of. Farrah Fawcett from Houston, Texas, by the way. I had a photo of her, and it wasn't because of me. My older brother had ordered those. You know, I think it was in the mall you could order big posters, at maybe Spencer's or somewhere like that. Maybe at the record shops they would sell posters. That was a big deal. Actually, as a former and a proud Kmart employee of the 1980s, I remember we had a little section in our store that was posters, and you would have people go over there routinely and flip through posters of usually famous people. And and it was kind of neat to see that. I think I'm the one that had to stock that now that I think about it. But also, as a guy that liked sports growing up, I had uh, a couple of sport, sports posters that I purchased as a teenager and had those up on the wall. And uh, my first sports photo that adorned the walls of my childhood bedroom was probably of someone you've never heard of. It was a basketball player. And I'm serious, you probably haven't heard of this guy, but he had the official poster for my favorite NBA team. It was a photo on the wall of Kelly Trapuca. Go look that one up. Former Notre Dame basketball player turned NBA guy, and he was part of that original Charlotte Hornets basketball team of 1988 and 1989, and he was the featured photo for whatever company put out NBA posters back in the 80s. Kelly Trapuca getting some love here. On today's Y'all Show, that that uh, same team featured a guy named Muggsy Bogues and it also had Rex Chapman. I think I ended up getting a Rex Chapman poster, too. And also it had a guy named uh, uh, Dale Curry. I'm thinking of Seth and Steph, but no, it was their daddy. And I didn't I didn't I didn't I never saw the the Dale Curry photo number 30 for the Hornets. But if I had that 
I would have put that one up too. But uh, enough poster talk here. I'm your poster child of Southerners. Maybe you could put my photo up on your wall big. It, it, I'd rather you just put the big Y'all Show logo. That would be better because it's, it's kind of scary to look at me, I'm, I'm sure. But we thank you, and you're on my wall every day that we come and do this show because we're proud to be the South's talk show, and we're going to get into the headlines in a moment. But before we do that, I've got to <laughs> – I think I've kind of set the stage now for what's up here on this Tuesday y'all show. So before I can get into the news headlines of the day, I got to tell you about an incident that's already happened to me today that uh, a little scary. And it also is a reminder of where is the accountability out there in our, in our workplaces or in our lives in general. So getting ready for today's show, I go in early on this Tuesday to a fast food chain and sit down and pull out the laptop, and I'm working. And all of a sudden, in the back of the kitchen, I hear some expletives being yelled. And then it gets worse, and it gets worse. And it turns out two employees were going at it at the crack of dawn at this fast food restaurant. And they were really getting rather graphic and very threatening with their language. Not exactly what I expected to hear as the sun was coming up here on this Tuesday. (laughs) And so my point of even bringing this up is where was the manager? And every employee there heard all this. I was one of a handful of customers. I heard it. I actually got concerned. I was scared. This is the kind of workforce harassment that can lead to somebody losing it and doing things. And it was a a female employee mouthing off at a male employee. I never saw him. I just saw her. And she was not a young person. She was probably, I would say, in her 60s. And she was not backing down, and she was letting all the F-bombs go and everything else. And he was not backing down. And and so I bring this up to say, where was management in this case? Because it really was uncomfortable as a guest of this place to sit in the lobby and hear all this. But also I wanted to bring up the fact that when you have people starting to, I guess, kind of like a a rooster in a cockfight, a rooster struts around and his feathers are, are literally ruffled. At what point do you realize, okay, where are we going to take this? Is is this grown man and this grown woman going to literally fight in a kitchen of a, of a restaurant and, and, and let the, public see this and them likely get called the police called and they get arrested or when does common sense prevail and one one or both of these people realize okay you've said your point and we're just going to let this we're going to let this slide unfortunately as i was able to hear this conversation it, they just wouldn't let it go they'd keep bringing it back up every after you think it would simmer down then all of a sudden a minute later then they'd get right back, and it would escalate more and more. So it would be like a, a, a wave. It would be really intense, and then then they would shut up, and then they'd come back. And, again, where was management? Someone should have said, okay, enough of both of you. If you can't, if you can't get this settled right now, then you both need to pack up your belongings and don't come back to this restaurant again. Okay, or, or am I being a little too critical? But, no, I just – Felt as a guest very uncomfortable, and you really had to think. This is the kind of 
turmoil in a workplace that can lead somebody to start, you know, let's just be honest, start shooting up the place. We live in a tense society, and I didn't need to hear that. And I think there was one other customer in there at the time. That person didn't need to hear it. And for God's sakes, it's not a good look for this place that I really like. I like going there, and I'm not going to call them out because it's not fair to the chain, but they they, they might get an anonymous tip in their corporate office from me today because somebody should have been fired for the way that escalated. In my opinion, but again, it all comes back to accountability and whoever was the boss person on shift at that time should have said, enough's enough, and I never heard that. (laughs) Maybe it was the manager getting in the fight, although I don't think so because the lady who took my order seemed like she was fairly new on the job. I I think she got my order right, so luckily she didn't have to hear me yelling at her, but she sure got it from her fellow employee bright and early on a Tuesday morning. Hopefully your experiences today at restaurants across the Southeast will be a little bit more pleasant than mine have been. This is y'all. We try to have a pleasant experience every time we get you to join us here on the program powered by y'all.com. And, you know, why don't we do this? We're going to take a little time out. And come back up and pick up with some news headlines of the day. We've got some important stories going on across Dixie that we'll get to. And before the hour is up, we've got our Southern Political Report. Some political news out of Kentucky, Mississippi, and Virginia. All that is right ahead on y'all. Y'all, can't we all just get along? on the y'all show with his tenus t graham brown and tanya tucker and a big song they had out what was that 1991 i think when 
Don't Go Out was available on Capitol Records. Tina's and Miss T love it here as we continue on with the Y'all Show on this Tuesday edition. And we've got headlines coming in from across the Southeast that we want to jump into before we get to political news in the following segment to close out hour number one. We got a lot of business items, a bevy of business items to get to on today's Y'all Show before we tell you also about a Supreme Court justice making her very first trip ever to the state of Alabama. And she spent nearly a week in the heart of Dixie. We'll tell you about that in just a second. But let's give you the scoop on some business news, y'all. And here's some great news. Retail sales rose 0.7% in the month of September. And that's more than twice what economists had expected. And it was close to a revised 0.8% bump the month before in the month of August. Those numbers coming out from the Commerce Department. Retail sales in August were inflated after Gasoline prices spiked. And so we've got some good sales numbers for retail. And this sales uptick in September is the sixth consecutive monthly gain. And according to economists, it reflects how the U.S. economy has remained resilient despite attempts by the Federal Reserve to cool spending and hiring. So good news if you're a retailer. By the way, Spending at restaurants up 0.9%, while online spending went up to 1.1, a a percentage gain of 1.1 in the month of September. All this, very good news if you are involved in retailing. We're not even to Christmas time yet. We got that boom right around the corner for those of you involved in the retail world. It's looking pretty good. It's looking dang good. So that's great news. Retail sales up 0.7% in the previous month. Here's another business item. Choice Hotels, they've offered nearly $8 billion to buy out Wyndham Hotels and Resorts. And again, not only are retail sales up, but the restaurant and tourism industry is also doing quite well right now. Choice Hotels asking shareholders of rival chain Wyndham Hotels and Resorts to sign off on a buyout that's valued right at $8 billion. And they're in a negotiation phase right now. Wyndham's not commenting on it. But Choice, based in Rockville, Maryland, offering forty nine fifty in cash. That's $49.50 in cash and 0.324 shares of Choice common stock for each Wyndham share they own. And so you could have a potential buyout of a couple of big hotel chains. And Choice first approached Wyndham about this in April, at that time offering $80 per share with 40% of that in cash and 60% in Choice stock. That was rejected. So they've now bumped the offer to $85 per share and then to $90 per share as the board chairs and CEOs of the company have met. If I were... The other company, I would be, I don't think so. Keep keep come, keep on coming back. Wyndham is based in New Jersey, and they actually posted a profit of $355 million last year. You'd think with that kind of profit, you could get better bath soap when you're staying in a Wyndham property. 
<laughs> I stayed at a hotel Friday night, and I take my own stuff in there. I, I, I don't. I don't. I just can't stand most hotels bar soap. It just has uh, an icky residue, in my opinion. Do y'all feel the same way? Now, now some of these places. What do y'all think of the showers that already have like the tubes that you squeeze and they're kind of mounted in the back of the shower and they've got not only the soap, but they got the shampoo and I guess some other washes and some of them are really, really uh, relaxing and they smell good. I don't know if they clean good, but they sure smell good and that's really kind of what it's all about. But uh, normally I take my own Dollar General Balt shampoo and and soap into a hotel and and use that so they ought to cut off about 20 bucks off of my bill since i don't have to have them use their own uh, toiletries if you will and i sure would never use a hotel razor blade if you are a guy and you end up going to the hotel counter sometime and ask for a razor blade usually what they give you is the extra extra cheap brand which means it's going to be painful when you're sitting there trying to shave before your big appointment or your big date or whatever you're staying in a hotel for, okay? You might just want to do without. But right now, it looks like there could be a, a shakeup in the hotel world with Choice Hotels trying to buy out Wyndham Hotels and resorts. We'll keep you posted of that ends up being a closed deal. If they end up, I'm trying to use a hotel term here, if they end up checking out on that deal. That's probably not a good metaphor, (laughs) but I'm doing my best. Now, more business news. This comes to us from Atlanta. Georgia has now $10.7 billion in surplus cash that its leaders can spend however they want after Georgia ran a huge surplus for the third straight year. Brian Kemp, he and President Trump may not always be hunky-dory, but the governor of Georgia is keeping a solid cash flow positive state. The Georgia State Accounting Office and a report that came out Monday said that the Peach State ran a $5.3 billion surplus in the 2022 budget year, and that comes after they spent $32.6 billion. You know, maybe, just maybe, this is a wild guess. Maybe they're charging too much in taxes in Georgia, you think? (laughs) Let's see here. I was in Georgia Sunday. I guess on Sunday I passed right through it and didn't even stop now that I think about it. But usually I stop in the Peach State when I'm passing through. I was once a resident of the Peach State. And I know what was really expensive was getting a license plate. Georgia is not a cheap place to get a license plate, and I'm sure that varies from county to county. So, yeah, Governor Kemp, you're getting people on the on the the old license tag renewals. I don't like that, and they're getting people, I guess, on income too. But yes, Georgia with a big surplus, and now with all this money left over, they can put it into a rainy day fund. And use it to, hmm, maybe they're going to buy more football players for the Georgia Bulldogs with it. I don't know who who said something about that. Maybe Jimbo Fisher. No, somebody played Georgia recently and 
made a comment about all the players that they were able to purchase. Hmm. I think I got that right. I don't I don't know all that. I know George is not quite on the football field looking as dapper as they have, even though they are still number one. Dog fans don't get upset at me. I think you're okay with me bashing your team if you're number one, right? <laughs> but uh yeah, Georgia as a state seems to be doing pretty dang good financially. Other states listen up. Follow Brian Kemp's example. Speaking of the Peach State, a business that's done quite well historically in the headlines for maybe not the best of business reasons, Chick-fil-A. They have reached a settlement of sorts, and they've reached this settlement over its delivery fees and its agreement that could mean customers could be in line for a payment. So listen up. This new settlement announced on Monday is related to a class action lawsuit filed in Georgia that claimed that Chick-fil-A advertised free or low-cost delivery, but then raised the food prices only on delivery orders. That according to topclassactions.com. And according to a complaint alleged on that website, Chick-fil-A secretly marks up food prices for delivery orders by a hefty 25 to 30%. In other words, the identical order of a 30-count chicken nugget cost approximately 5 to $6 more when ordered for delivery than when ordered via the same mobile app for pickup or when ordered in the store. The suit also claimed that Chick-fil-A failed to inform customers of the markup. Now, Chick-fil-A, which this is not a good look for the chicken company, they have reached an agreement. And they're going to set aside $1.45 million in cash and another $2.95 million in gift cards as the chain has also agreed to add disclosure notices on its app and website stating that product prices may be higher for delivery orders. No, 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 Chick-fil-A. Just don't charge more on your prices. If you want to charge a delivery fee, then charge a delivery fee. Don't try to trick people and say free delivery and then do what they've done. That's just wrong. You know what? Maybe we should have a one-day strike on Chick-fil-A for doing this and then cowardly coming up with, what is this, a $3.5 million settlement? As much money as they make off this part of the world, as much money as Chick-fil-A makes off of households, period, I mean, to their credit, Chick-fil-A has mastered the art of propaganda. They have mastered the art of loyalty. And there are children, our little our little nuggets out there. <laughs> you like the way I said that? Our little nuggets out there have been brought up on Chick-fil-A nuggets, and they won't accept anything but a Chick-fil-A nugget, maybe a a McDonald's nugget, and that's about it. And so there are there are literally, and you know people like this, folks who go through that Chick-fil-A drive-thru, which is a cult all in itself, how they pull that off, and they go through that daggum Chick-fil-A drive-thru every day. And it wouldn't surprise me if some people went through it more than once a day because of that brainwashing that's been going on by Chick-fil-A, to their credit. I mean, they're an an American success story, for goodness sakes. But come on, Chick-fil-A. 
you you can't be pulling tricks like this for this company that's supposed to be all ethical and all about being closed on Sunday and all the other things that you hear. I think they even pipe in a little contemporary Christian music at some of the Chick-fil-A's out there. That's not very Christian of you, Chick-fil-A, to be ripping people off as you were doing, it, it appears. So let's uh, let's get it right, you little you little nuggets there in Hapeville, Georgia, where you got going. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm going to um, be thinking about Chick-fil-A all day. You know what? I'm going to probably make a a fool of myself, and I'm probably going to go dine on a couple of Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Man, I think I, I, my the Takapola storyteller, he's coming on today's show. I was talking to him the other day. He says, and I have to believe him, he says he's never had a Chick-fil-A sandwich. As Ross Perot would say, that's just sad. I guess he didn't go back in the old days where Chick-fil-A were only in shopping malls. I mean, that was the best thing going when you'd go to a shopping mall was to go to the Chick-fil-A and have a Chick-fil-A sandwich and that delicious fry, and you'd get the soft drink, but at at least the most of the Chick-fil-A's that I saw back in the mall only before they had the FSUs, the freestanding units, as they say in Chick-fil-A language, if you were like me, you'd sit there and you'd eat that Chick-fil-A there in their little section of the shopping mall. And it would be so good. But boy, you were captivated by that other thing that they had there that you really never, you never really went and got yourself, but you saw that thing and it just mesmerized you. And you know what it was? It was the orange Julius machine that Chick-fil-A had in their locations and shopping malls and it just looked so magical the orange drink in there bouncing around just calling out to the little nuggets of the world like me "Mm, this would be so good but i don't know if i ever got the orange julius that's a name that i don't think exists too much these days i'd have to do a whole nother deep dive into that one I was at a Bojangles this weekend, God bless Bojangles, and I saw for the first time at a Bojangles Cheerwine on tap there. They used to have their own, I think it was called Patio, their own sort of cherry-flavored drink at Bojangles, and now it looks like Bojangles has teamed up with fellow North Carolina company Cheerwine, at least it was the case in this particular one. I stopped off and had a tremendous, tremendous meal, but You don't want to hear me talking about chicken, do you? No, you don't. Okay, what I want you to do is stick around because we're going to switch over from talking about fast food like Chick-fil-A ripping you off. We're going to talk to you about other people ripping off you, and that would be politicians. When we come back, we've got an update on Virginia, also Kentucky, and the Magnolia State of Mississippi. All three states are about to go have elections that could have a real, real clear harbinger of the 2024 campaign. Are Republicans going to do better than you might expect in these elections going on within these states? We'll have that plus some poll numbers and more as we wrap up this opening hour of The Y'all Show. We'll be back.
joy and pain picture show second balcony was the place we'd meet second seat gold dutch treat you were sweet dark as shame darling dark as shame save those lies darling don't explain i recall central park and fall how you tore your dress what a mess i confess that's not all dark as shame darling dark as shame thank you for walks down lovers lane and a zer gut i would have to say to wayne newton and danka shane now that doesn't sound like Wayne Newton, that doesn't sound like a guy, but that's what this is labeled as. So, you know, I can't confess that I'm a Wayne Newton expert here on today's y'all show, but that's what it say. That's what it say. And so I'm going to have to go with it. And the reason I'm playing Wayne Newton is because did you realize that Mr. Las Vegas is actually a Virginian? Wayne Newton, born Carson Wayne Newton back in 1942 in Norfolk, Virginia as he was born to Patrick Newton, an auto mechanic, and his wife, Evelyn. And Wayne Newton believes he's got American Indian ancestry, both Cherokee and Powhatan heritage in his family. He actually spent his early years in Fredericksburg, Virginia. That's where he started listening to music and playing a little piano and guitar. And his love of music was created right there in the state of Virginia. It's... Wayne Newton and Virginia is on our mind as we pick up the last section of our y'all show here in this opening hour to tell you about the Southern political report and Virginians are going to be going to the voting booth if they haven't gone already because Virginia has a little election going on in that state in the next couple of days as they'll be not picking a governor, but Virginians are going to be choosing their state election folks the delegates i believe is what it's called in virginia and their state senators that's up for ballot right now in the commonwealth of virginia and so with that in mind i wanted to tell you about what's going on in virginia in terms of the polls and what people can expect from virginia going forward because it's going to be a very closely watched election in Virginia this year because the governor there, Glenn Youngkin, getting a lot of attention. He could be a dark horse that rides in and becomes a potential presidential candidate if Donald Trump can't seal the deal. As he's gone into a blue state in the last couple of years and actually won two years ago. Surprised a lot of people. Just after Biden took over as president. And so we've got Joe Biden and Glenn Youngkin kind of getting a little, uh, I got alerts going off here. That's on my computer. That's why I'm sidetracked here for just a second. But anyway, it's going to be a potential for Republicans in Virginia 
to keep a little bit of a momentum going positively for Republicans nationwide if they can hold on to the delegates and, and they can increase their seats, if they can shock the world in the state of Virginia with the election going on there in early November. And I think early voting already underway. I don't know if Wayne Newton is eligible to vote anymore in his native state, but if, if he could, do you think Wayne Newton would vote Republican? And if he did, if you're a conservative, would you go up to Wayne Newton and proudly tell him, hey, Wayne, Donka shun. <laughs> All right, Kentucky is voting for a governor right now, and the latest polling shows that Andy Bashir is is kind of pulling out in front of Daniel Cameron, the state attorney general, the latest polling from Emerson College, which was done at the beginning of October, has Bashir out 18 points ahead with a 49 to 33. It looks like that's 16, but it's it's coming in around 16 to 18 in this poll. That's he's he's actually had a sizable polling average lead over Daniel Cameron for quite some time. But it looks like, as I, I said on Monday's Y'all Show, if you were listening, and I'm sure you were, that Bashir should have this in in the bag. He, I think he's not going to be challenged too closely by this upstart attorney general who's decided that he wants to be governor. Now, they did have a little bit of a debate, and they had that on Monday and both Bashir and Cameron accused each other of taking extreme stands on abortion policy. They had a hour-long debate at Northern Kentucky University in Highland Heights, Kentucky. And in this debate Monday, they got questions about education, taxes, public safety, and the auto workers' strike. In fact, that has spread to Ford's highly profitable Kentucky truck plant located in Louisville. But on the subject of abortion, it got rather heated between Cameron and Bashir. And so I don't think this will help either candidate that much. They're likely going to still stay in that same area that we were talking about polling number-wise. But it's going to be a election to watch when Kentucky goes to vote here in a couple of days for their governor. State of Mississippi polling average coming out of the Magnolia State, Tate Reeves, has an eight-point lead over Brandon Presley right now in a Mason-Dixon polling and strategy poll put out by the Magnolia Tribune. And it looks like he, polling-wise, is in a good place to be. As far as the presidential polling numbers coming in right now, Trump continues to lead Ron DeSantis in the Real Clear Politics election polling average with a 58-13 to 13 lead over Ron DeSantis and then Nikki Haley at 7.7. Vivek Ramaswamy coming in with a 6.0. In terms of a potential national matchup, according to Real Clear Politics, Trump right now is out on front of Joe Biden 45 to 44. And then Nikki Haley in a potential matchup with Joe Biden polling at 45 to Joe Biden's 41. So she is doing well in a theoretical matchup with Joe Biden. Unfortunately for Haley, she's got to get past a guy named Donald Trump in the Republican primary first. And I don't see that happening. That wraps up Hour 1 of the Y'all Show. we got Todd Starnes coming up in Hour 2, so stay tuned. 
Oh, what a beautiful day we've got across the southeast here on y'all. John Rawl, powering your way through this Tuesday edition. Got a very, very exciting guest coming on in the next segment as it's part of our Southern Book Report for this week. Todd Starnes has already got one book. I I think actually he might have two books to his credit, and he's got a hot new book that he's going to come on and tell you all about. As Todd Starnes is a Memphis, Tennessee-based broadcaster for many, many years, he was on the Fox News channel. You might remember seeing him there, but you can see him pretty regularly now as Starnes appears on Newsmax. And he's got his own daily talk show, The Todd Starnes Show, heard on about 144 radio stations, including WTJS FM 93.1. And Todd Starnes is going to be on with me in just a few minutes talking about his radio career. We'll have him talk about his time growing up in the Memphis area and his conservatism and how that comes across. I actually remember a few years back, sitting on a television, uh, sitting watching television, and it was Trump's big rally in Coleman, Alabama, after he was out of office. And two names stuck out on this gigantic rally that he had north of Birmingham. And the first name he mentioned Trump on stage was he thinked a guy named Seth Keschel And I said, no way, that's the same Seth Keschel that used to live next to me when he was going to college. No way could that be the same Seth. So I pulled out the old Google, and sure enough, Seth Keschel ended up being, in the last few years, Mr. MyPillow, Mike Lindell's top voter fraud investigator. And I've had conversations with Seth since I heard his name called out by President Trump. And and he, I haven't got him to come on this show yet. I like Seth. Seth is a much younger guy. He went into the Army after he graduated from college. And I haven't heard from him in a few years until I heard DJT yell out his name in front of thousands of people in Coleman. And that's why I said it couldn't be the same guy, and it was. So I heard Seth's name yelled out in Coleman, and then, then I heard President Trump thank Todd Starnes. And I knew about Todd Starnes, and sure enough, Todd was there in Coleman. And we'll have to ask him about that when he comes on here in a few minutes, his experience hanging out with President Trump, not only in Coleman, but the other times that he's had a chance to talk to him. Todd Starnes, conservative radio talk show host and also appearing on Newsmax these days and a budding author in a big way. He will be our very special guest in just a few minutes, so make sure you hang on for the Southern Book Report. We'll have Mr. Starnes, plus before the hour is up, more stars to report on. We've got news on Garth Brooks, as Garth is going to honor the late, great Keith Whitley with something really cool. I'll tell you about that, plus more details coming out on the death of Suzanne Summers as we lost her, the very talented California native and actress passing away over the weekend. We'll give you the latest on that, and then... I'm going to tell you the new number one song in country music, and it's from Baskin, Louisiana's own Native Girl. And it is now her second number one song, and I will tell you who that is. When we, I might even play that song going into the segment about talking about 
the stars and more. But don't forget, Todd Starnes is our first star that we'll feature here, Hour 2. And a reminder, Hour 3, the Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, will be back on with us, and we'll have a wonderful conversation with him in our final hour of this Tuesday program. To get involved with the Y'all Show, it's easy to do. 615-208-4184. That is the text line available 24-7. And then we have our email address, M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L.com, mail at y'all.com, making it very easy for you to reach out and connect with the show that shakes the Southland. Now, picking up some of our news stories across the Southeast today, as Katanji Jackson, she is our U.S. Supreme Court Justice, the newest justice on the court, a Biden appointee. And Justice Jackson, who is a South Florida native, had never been to the state of Alabama. And so she's now spent nearly a week in Alabama after going through her confirmation of which she got a vote of 53 to 47 to put her on the high court, the first black woman ever to reach the United States Supreme Court. And she has gone to Alabama in recent days as she's developed a friendship with a couple of pastors in Alabama, including Reverend Arthur Price, who is with Alabama's and and specifically Birmingham's 6th Street Baptist Church. That's the church that the bomb went off in the 1960s. And four young girls and two black boys were killed in that. I didn't realize it was two black boys in addition to the four girls killed in that Sunday morning. I think it was put into a Sunday school there in Birmingham and so many youngsters killed. But Justice Jackson going to that church, she's also joined by her husband, Dr. Peter Jackson, on this tour. And they visited sites and dined with friends and went to Birmingham, Tuskegee, and in Montgomery, they went there to the to the state capitol. And I have a hard time believing that this lady who grew up in Florida had never been to Alabama. How is that possible? Well, I guess it was possible. This is a lady now in our high court, but she had a a very good time visiting the heart of Dixie in recent days and learning about the civil rights history and more, and maybe she even had some good Alabama barbecue while she was in the heart of Dixie. Justice Jackson in the state of Alabama. Also, a story out of the East Tennessee area. Funeral arrangements now announced for a Knoxville soldier who died in a crash in Alaska. U.S. Army Specialist Jeremy Evans was one of two soldiers killed earlier this month when an army vehicle flipped during a training area in Alaska, many other soldiers were wounded. The 23-year-old dying in this crash, and most of U.S. Army Specialist Jeremy Evans' family lives in the Knoxville area, and there will be a motorcade to take his body to the Minot Funeral Home Halls Chapel on Sunday of this weekend and then on to the Clear Springs Baptist Church in Corriton, Tennessee. So a a tragic loss of a soldier in a training exercise in Alaska, losing his life. Our thoughts go out to the family of U.S. Army Specialist Jeremy D. Evans of Knoxville, Tennessee. 
And that is a look at our news headlines for hour number two. Hang on. When we come back, we've got that special guest lined up. It's Todd Starnes of the Todd Starnes Show. And Todd's going to be on to talk about his radio career, what he's got going on, some of the great Newsmax appearances that you can catch him on, as well as these new books. He's got a biscuit book out, and he's got another one all about politics and more that's going to be so great to to hear more about what, indeed, he's got going out of Memphis, Tennessee, where he also owns KWAM 990, the big mighty 990 in Memphis. And we'll talk about that and more. All that is right ahead on y'all, powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. Hang on. It's Todd and yours truly, John Rawl, after the break here on the Y'all Show. shoes and I boarded the plane Touchdown in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of a pouring rain W.C. Handy Won't you look down over me Cause I've got a first class ticket And I'm blue as a boy can be Walking in Memphis and we're back talking about all things Southern. John Rawl here on The Y'all Show. And we love to talk books. We love to talk about talking. And this guy about to come on, you know, he would be a great guest anyway. But when you write a book called Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Draw, you're dang right. You're going to get an invitation. And we want you on Y'all Talk with an Accent about the South. And we've got Todd Starnes, the author of Our Daily Biscuit, on. He's also the author of a forthcoming book called Twilight's Last Gleaming, Can America Be Saved? You probably remember him from his Fox News Channel days. He's on Newsmax a lot. He's got a syndicated show with more than 100 stations across the country with the Todd Starnes Show. And right now, Todd Starnes is on The Y'all Show. Welcome in, sir. John, you have to have one of the coolest radio show names in all of America. <laughs> well, Todd Starnes' show was taken, so I had to settle for seconds. <laughs> I had to settle for leftovers. But, no, thank you very much. We have y'all.com. That's our website, and we've been doing the y'all thing across the South for a long, long time. And, and of course, we are a show that promotes the South, and we promote Southerners. And, Todd, you are one of our shining stars of the South, because not only are you a Southerner by birth and you've kept your career in the South, but you've got this syndicated show, and instead of going to the dim lights of New York City, you do your talk show every day from the bright lights of the Bluff City as you do it out of Memphis, and you own the local radio station, KWAM AM 990, the Mighty 990, and 107.9 FM, I do believe, is your translator. And uh, you're doing it here in the South, and we love that. 
Yeah, that, well, thank you for that. Look, I, I love my time in New York. I wanted to live in the southernmost part of the city as possible, uh, just to you know be closer to home. And so I settled in Brooklyn, New York, where I lived among the indigenous liberal population. And it was really tough. You know, I felt like I was on the mission field, John. Uh, there was no sweet tea, no biscuits, and uh, they had a lot of bagels. Uh, I remember one day I was um, really hungry, and so Steve Ducey from Fox from Fox and Friends said, "What you need to do is go down to the deli." And um, and so I went down there and I asked for a sausage biscuit, and the guy looked at me. He goes, "I know not of this biscuit that you speak of," and I said, "Well, it's a biscuit, and you just slide a piece of sausage in there." And so the guy said, we don't have biscuits, but we've got bagels. I said, well, what the heck is a bagel? This is like, you know, 15 years ago. And uh, he showed it to me, looked like a hockey puck. And to be honest, it kind of tasted like one. But John, the guy says, do you want me to smear your bagel? I said, you want to do what to my bagel? I said, buddy, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. You don't smear another guy's bagel where I come from. <laughs> I had never seen a bagel until I went to Knoxville in 1982 for the World's Fair. It took a World's Fair in Knoxville to introduce this southern boy to something called a bagel. Hmm. I love it. Well, we, we were joking around. Somebody asked if we were going to write a, a northern version of the devotion book. And I said, the working title is our daily bagel devotions with a schmear. So we'll let you know how that works out. Well, again, to some of our listeners, they may not have seen you in recent years as you were on Fox News Channel for a long time. Prior to that, of course, you spent a long, long time in your native Tennessee, having gone to school there. You worked in Jackson, Tennessee now working in Memphis with your station and more. What uh, what years were you actually on Fox News Channel? Well, I started at Fox in 2005 and then moved back to Memphis right as the pandemic was, you know, was breaking out. Uh, Fox decided not to renew my contract, so that meant it was time to go back home. And, you know, as you mentioned, I was born and raised uh, here in the Memphis area. Uh, grew up and went to uh, grade school in South Haven, which is in Mississippi, the top of Mississippi now. Uh, and it's uh, back when I was growing up, though, uh, South Haven was just maybe a couple of thousand people, John. We had a Rexall drugstore and a big store, and that was about it. And of course, now it's some sort of a major, you know, metropolitan area. So it was really fun to come back home, and it was important for me to do that. Um, I love New York, and I love but I love my family more, and it was, you know, it's important to be back home. Well, I know exactly where South Haven is, and I know what roughly year you were born, and I know where South Haven is close to. So my question is, did you ever have an Elvis sighting since Graceland was probably only about three or four miles up the road? So here's a little bit of Starnes family trivia. My dad and Elvis's cousins played together uh, in a band, and my dad was a, a musician, and uh, they lived very close to each other back before Elvis purchased Graceland. Uh, so, so there was this great family connection uh, to to Elvis and to you know and to to the family. Uh, we love. There's a great family story. My dad was actually frog digging. And one day, Elvis that's was pretty out southern, back. Todd. That's pretty southern. <laughs> and Elvis was actually uh, was target shooting and almost shot my dad, and they nearly came to blows as the family lore goes. How about that, Todd Starnes, our special guest? You may know him from his syndicated talk show, The Todd Starnes Show. He also moonlights 
pretty regularly now on Newsmax. And when he's not doing all that, well, he happens to be writing books. And we're going to talk about some of those books in a second. Let's brag on your show. I said you're over 100 stations. I think you're more over like 140 stations at this point. Congratulations on that. And another Southern success story to go along with Todd doing this. He did it all himself. You syndicate it yourself. We do. And and that was an important thing. You know, we've put together a great, great team, John. And they they just work super hard. Very blessed to, to have them. And uh, yeah, we decided, you know what, there's a certain way we want to do things. And especially when it comes to, you know, working with radio stations and uh, we, we tell folks, you know, our radio show is basically uh, the nation's big front porch. And uh, we want people to uh, to feel comfortable feel at home and and feel like that you know we really care about helping you know grow their radio stations so we decided to do everything our own you know and on our own and move everything all the operations to memphis and it's funny you know newsmax had um wanted me to come back to new york they wanted me to move back and i said yeah i said yeah just can't do that um and uh, they said well delta's ready when you are i said i'm not ready so so they said well how about this what if we build you a studio in Memphis? And I said, I think we can do something with that. And that's what they did. So I'm really here back home in the South to stay. And again, because you made that decision to do this yourself, you're also not at their mercy. I mean, you, you got told not to come back to Fox News. When you're doing stuff yourself, you can only blame yourself if things don't go so well, probably. That's true. And, you know, I had a great time at Fox. I loved it. And you know how it works there. Every three years, your contract is up for renewal. And, uh, you know, they had offered me a contract. I got a little greedy and wanted more money. And we were going back and forth. And ultimately, they decided, you know what, we, we're going to call it a day. And and it was a blessing. Um, literally walked out the door and um, bought the radio station here in Memphis, which is, you know, a 75-year-old heritage station that was the home of people like B.B. King and Johnny Cash, um, Eddie Bond, who was um, one of the great singers of the day. And it's been a it's been a lot of fun building a locally owned, locally run news talk radio station here. Yes, you've done that. And oh, yes, by the way, he's taken his show now to more than 140 stations across the southeast. And I love tuning in to the Todd Starn Show. I know you've got, for example, WDUN, a great affiliate out of Gainesville, Georgia is a, a great listener. Your station there has many listeners. And then North Carolina is well represented. And, of course, Tennessee, including Super Talk 93.1 in West Tennessee, joining up with KWAM to be a great presence on the Todd Starn Show. If you miss it, I love the fact that you've got podcasts of your show available for free at toddstarns.com. If you're catching us and you haven't heard the Todd Starn Show lately, please go there and listen. Now tell me a little bit about what you're doing with Newsmax today. So, um, you know, we do we do a lot of um, work with them in the commentary. So they'll have me on to talk about um, to, to talk about the big issues of the day. And also, I'm a regular fill in host on some of their primetime shows now. And we're going to be making some big announcements here in the in the coming days and weeks uh, that I think will really excite people, you know, across across the southeast. But it's it's really clear to me that that Newsmax and Chris Ruddy's a great friend, uh, the owner of Newsmax, and and they really do uh, want to take on that mantle of being fair and balanced, you know, in their news coverage. And uh, so we're excited 
about that partnership, and uh, we'll be telling folks more about that in the coming days. And one of the great things about Newsmax, thanks to people like Joe Biden, you know, a lot of us in the South don't have a lot of extra money. And so guess what? You don't even have to have cable TV or direct TV to be able to watch Newsmax as it's available. I know YouTube has Newsmax. I think there they have an app. You can download the app and watch Newsmax. And so it's a great option to catch up with conservative talk and conservative news on a channel that, frankly, you don't have to spend $200 a month for a cable bill to get it. So kudos to them for that. Now, Todd, since we are talking a little political stuff, what uh, what's the Todd Starnes take on how things are shaking, shaking up on the conservative side for 2024? Well, I, I got to tell you, I'm a Baptist martini guy. That's my beverage of choice as ah. a Baptist. Uh, that's, a, that's a Diet Coke with a wedge of lemon for all the Lutherans listening. Um, that would be me. But I got to tell you, I may have to switch over to the Episcopalians if I have to keep covering politics. Oh, my word. It's it's causing a lot of people to drink these days. But you have a show uh, devoted know, to it three hours a day. I know it. I know it. John, I'm just being real. We're talking therapy here. So uh, it's uh, you, you know, it's just a crazy time in the country right now. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the two political parties. Um, you know, the, the American people are really getting disgusted with sending people to Washington who campaign. And they promise and then they break those promises when they get to Washington. And I think we're going to start seeing some blowback there, Um, and especially in the 2024 presidential race. You know, the fact that Donald Trump is out there and he's what, four indictments now. Um, He has the entire federal government, the establishment wing of the Republican Party and all the Democrats and the media lined up against him. And yet he is still crushing uh, every single one of his opponents in the primary. And he's also up in some polls by 10 points over Joe Biden. That tells me that he really has tuned in to the mood of the country and has embraced that. Uh, one of the great lines a, a couple of weeks ago, John, he was speaking to California Republicans, and he said the, the best way to stop the shoplifting or shoplifting is to is, is to shoot the looters on site. And the cheers and the chants that erupted, you know, even people in California are just tired and they want somebody who's going to go in there and just blow things up. Todd Starnes, our guest here on the Y'all Show, talking about President Trump. Now, Todd, I know I knew about you. I didn't know you that great, and I had a little concern about you a couple of years until I saw you in Coleman, Alabama. And when I saw you there, that I knew we were you were an okay guy. You what what happened in Coleman, Alabama, a couple of years ago? Well, there's a lot of stuff that goes down in Coleman, Alabama. (laughs) I think you're talking about the Trump rally. Yes, you were Uh, part of the Trump rally. (laughs) Yeah, no, um, President Trump had invited me to speak at the rally uh, there he he gave in Coleman. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I do have a funny story to tell. Um, a, A few months after that, I was invited to speak at a rally in Georgia. And the weather was horrible. And uh, so the way it works, you know, you get up and give your speech and then you go sit back down. And uh, the weather was just terrible. The president was several hours late. And uh, we had to drive all the way back to Memphis from uh, from North Atlanta. 
And so I told our team, I'm like, guys, you know, we've done our thing here. Uh, the president never does really recognize the pre-show folks. So I said, let's just go grab some food. So we're sitting in the Cracker Barrel, which is literally around the corner from this outdoor events. We were at a motocross speedway place and we're sitting there and about to order. And the, they're broadcasting the president's speech in the Cracker Barrel. And President Trump says over the speaker, he goes, and I just want to thank my good friend, Todd Starnes. Todd, where are you, Todd? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I just put the Cracker Barrel menu up in front of my face. I thought, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, that's awesome. Again, I, I remember hearing Trump call your name out, and, and that's great that uh, that he that he, he likes you. So that's good enough for us here at the Y'all Show. Todd, I know when you were at that Cracker Barrel, you probably had your dose of biscuits. Boy, they got some good ones there at Cracker Barrel and all of our other great southern kind of mom-and-pop places that serve up great food. You have this book out called Our Daily Biscuit Devotions with a Drawl. It came out three years ago. But, boy, did you do a great job with that. What led you to mix in biscuits with, let's say, our faith? Well, it's it's a playoff of the, the Methodist devotion book, Our Daily Bread. And um, we wanted to have a little bit of fun. Uh, uh, Michelle Cox is a dear friend of mine, and she's a devotion writer for a Hallmark series called Wind Calls the Heart. And uh, she and her husband live out in the Asheville area. They have a beautiful farm. And so Michelle and I decided, you know what, we're going to write this book together. And it's a collection of really fun uh, stories about life in the country, not necessarily the South, but the country. And, and we tell people that country is a state of mind. It's not a geographical location. And um, we also in- invited all of our listeners to send in recipes. And we featured a lot of those recipes in the book. And what I find that we do have a lot of Episcopalian listeners because some of the recipes do involve alcohol, but I've been assured that it burns out allegedly. Um, but I actually, my one recipe, I'm not that great of a cook, but I can make biscuits. We've got a great biscuit recipe in there and my, the, my, the Todd Starnes tomato sandwich. And you have to have, and I take people through the process of making the best tomato sandwich, but it starts with a Mississippi red tomato. Mm. And if you don't have those, don't make the sandwich. All right. Mississippi tomatoes. Having a Mississippi red. Yeah. uh, Okay. Would you be a little bit more specific? Where are we talking about? Well, it's called the Mississippi Red Tomato, and um, it's a brand of tomato. And if you go to the farmer's market in Hernando, Mississippi on Saturdays, you got to get there early. And uh, it's funny, I was at that farmer's market one day, and I I kept missing the tomatoes. And finally, one of the farmers, who was a big fan of our show, he listens to our show as he's out on his tractor. And he actually set aside a couple of Mississippi Reds for me. (laughs) So, but yeah, it's a great, and you got to have, and I know this is controversial. I'm not a big Duke's mayonnaise fan, but I do love Hellman's and of course, Blue Plate, uh, which is the, I believe Blue Plate is the mayonnaise of choice, mostly in Georgia. Uh, But, but I'm a Hellman's guy and I know that sort of heresy Uh, in in North Carolina. Well, South Carolina too, as a native sand lapper, I'm going to take offense to that, but that's just fine. Whatever floats your boat. But I was going to make sure you did put the mayonnaise on that tomato biscuit and that sounds delicious. Todd is a best-selling author. Again, not only is he a radio show host and appearing on Newsmax on a pretty good occasion, he's also a author and 
Not only is he talking about biscuits these days, he's diving back into some political talk with an upcoming book called Twilight's Last Gleaming, Can America Be Saved? Now, that won't be available to purchase officially, or you won't be able to read it till March of next year. But tell me what about this book, what led you to dive into this topic? Sure, and you can pre-order the book wherever you buy your books now. Uh, The book is based on a speech that Ronald Reagan delivered, and it's a bit of an obscure speech. And Reagan pointed out that our national anthem actually asks a series of questions. And the point of that is, you know, can you still see the flag, the Star Spangled Banner waving? And the, the idea is that freedom, you know, is not passed along in the bloodstream, that every generation has to fight for freedom. And we real we so we address that issue, you know, have we has has the generate had these two generations, uh, generation Z and uh, also the millennials, have they failed in that responsibility? And so we take people through that in the book. And if if people have read my books, uh, we do talk a lot about serious issues, but I do it with a lot of humor. Uh, I grew up reading the works of Louis Grizzard and Ludlow Porch, uh, two great Southerners, uh, Irma Bombeck, who was not a Southerner. She was a Midwesterner. But so really kind of a more whimsical, you know, folksy style of writing. And you mentioned President Trump, John. Uh, the president invited me to come down to Mar-a-Lago, and I sat down for 90 minutes and interviewed the president. And that, that conversation is is going to be in the new book. Well, how about this? As part of your publicity for Twilight's Last Gleaming, Can America Be Saved? We actually have what we call in the business a little, uh, what, 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 do you, what do you call it? I call it a promo, but this is what President Trump said. Todd Starnes is a fierce defender of freedom and a great patriot. He has seen and understands what is happening to our country like few others. His book is absolutely terrific. A must read that from President Trump. Now, he didn't call you a strong guy and a fighter and a, and a good guy and all that other stuff that he usually says to people. He, he didn't call you central casting in this quote. <laughs> he likes to use that term a lot. But boy, what a great, what a great uh, statement from the president. It was very gracious, and what a good man. By the way, if you ever make it down to Mar-a-Lago, order the meatloaf. His mother's meatloaf is on the, the menu for dinner at Mar-a-Lago, and I think that says a lot about Donald Trump. You know, he's, you know, this is a man, even though he's a billionaire, it feels very comfortable with hanging out with us folks. And by us folks, I mean, you know, folks who have to work for a living. Um, and uh, blue-collar workers. Those are the kinds of guys that he would hang out with in New York City on these construction sites. Well, the South is definitely Trump country, even in states where, let's say, you got the sitting governor running for president. I still think if Trump went up against DeSantis in Florida, he would likely win that pretty easily. I know he would win South Carolina, which is pretty strong since there's two South Carolinians running for president on the Republican side. So I, I think it's safe to say the South... Still likes DJT number 45, and you can understand a lot more about perhaps Trump and America by reading Twilight's Last Gleaming, Can America Be Saved? Heck, we're now less than, what, two months or right at two months away from your Christmas shopping kicking up in a big way. Go ahead and pre-order Twilight's Last Gleaming. You can do that at Amazon.com. Don't forget to go to ToddStarns.com to listen to his show, and I'm sure you got a link on how to book buy the book there too, Todd. We we absolutely do, and uh, we really hope that folks do that. And, of course, the, the biscuit book makes a great stocking stuffer. Yes, it does. So your favorite biscuit in all the world besides your own, 
Is there a particular place that you have carved out? There's a great place in Memphis over on Summer Avenue called Bryant's Biscuits. And they're only open for breakfast, and they shut down around lunchtime, I believe. Uh, but it's Bryant's Breakfast, and they have the best biscuits in Memphis. And uh, I would encourage you to, ha- if you're over in this neck of the woods, come on over. They're not going to disappoint. Man, well, Memphis, of course, is full of awesome, awesome, not just biscuit places, but barbecue. I'm not going to hold you to the barbecue talk today. Uh, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> okay. Because I'm sure you get that all the time. And and look, let's uh, let's be honest. Memphis is one of our barbecue capitals in all of America. But we are very proud of what Memphis has to offer, including the fact that it's the hometown of one Todd Starnes. Todd, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Y'all Show and keep that uh, Southern going on your show. I know oftentimes y'all talk, you specifically bring up Southern stuff and Southern history and culture and more and Love broadcasting that around the country. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, John. And we'll have to get you on the show one of these days, and we'll have to talk. So- we'll have to talk south. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have a uh, uh, we'll try to out southern each other. <laughs> I love it. I now, love you it. can't be a southerner, Todd. And I hope you're going to tell me you weren't you weren't uh, like this. You can't be southern if you grew up on a cul-de-sac. That's that. You know what? That's true. That you're absolutely right. <laughs> so I'm hoping somewhere there's a farm in Memphis you grew up on. I'm just kidding. Well, we don't call them cul-de-sacs. We call it Cove. Okay, so Cove. Sorry. Right. I grew up on Charleston Cove oh. in South Haven, Mississippi. Oh, yep. okay. I didn't realize you're a Desoto County guy. Congratulations. Oh yeah. As a, as a matter of fact, I became a fan of journalism by reading the Desoto Tribune. Oh yeah. And they they had with that great little logo of uh, Hernando de Soto. So as a little boy, that was always intriguing to me. So, yeah, I'm, I love DeSoto County. Yes. Great county, great paper. I believe the Pittman family had something to do with that paper for a while. Thanks, good so. people. Yep. All right, Todd, thanks a lot. Great to talk to you, and good luck and thanks, continued John. success with your career. All right, appreciate it. All right. Y'all, the Y'all Show will be right back after this. Hang on. Congratulations to the University of Louisiana Monroe alumni and Baskin, Louisiana native and an absolutely talented musical songstress, Lainey Wilson, 
That right there, Watermelon Moonshine, is your brand new number one song in country music. It is her second number one song. And that one, of course, follows her debut number one, which was Things a Man Ought to Know. And then she had the truck song that somehow ended up being number two. I think it's actually her bigger song, but it didn't get to number one because I think Morgan Wallen kept her from that spot. But three big hits as a solo artist, and then she's had all these other duets for a while. Congratulations, Miss Laney. What a awesome voice. What a cool cucumber she is. A farmer's daughter from Northeast Louisiana is Laney Wilson. While I'm giving nice attaboys and attagirls, I want to thank Todd Starnes for being on with us a few minutes back as he was our very special guest talking about his books and his syndicated talk show, The Todd Starnes Show. So once again, appreciate Todd Starnes for being on with us here on the Y'all Show. Picking up our entertainment report to close out the second hour of the Y'all Show. want to let you know that we will tell you about some country news in a second, but want to let you first know about more details coming out on the death of Suzanne Summers, the California native passing away over the weekend, one day before her 77th birthday and According to Summers' longtime publicist, she's wanting to clear up false reports that Suzanne Summers was in hospice for the final weeks of her life. And the publicist saying that although Suzanne was, quote, weak, her family and medical team did not expect her to die. The publicist is R. Curry Hay, and on Monday on CNN, The publicist said there are a lot of reports and rumors about her being in hospice. It's totally untrue. Suzanne was expecting to eat copious amounts of cake on her birthday, which is today. And again, she died over the weekend in what she said was a weakened state, as she had been in that for about a week leading up to the big 77th birthday plan for her. Now, the Three's Company actress passed away Sunday after she had been battling breast cancer for over 23 years. And sadly, Sunday she passed away. Her husband of 46 years, Alan Hamill, was by her side when she, quote, died peacefully in her sleep. So a a life that she fought this breast cancer such a long, long time. But unfortunately, sadly, right before her birthday, she dies. The Three's Company actress that she and John Ritter starred in and others on ABC. Come and knock on our door. (laughs) One of those great shows that uh, you have to wonder, would that be made today? Of course, she was a sex symbol on that show. And she has a granddaughter who's in acting. I, I can't remember her last name, but she goes by the last name of Summers. And she lived there in the Palm Springs area of Southern California, And again, more details coming out now thanks to her publicist clarifying a lot of controversy and rumors about the death of Suzanne Summers. Well, it's not quite a death, but it feels like it. It's the end of an acting career for Michael Caine. And his new movie, The Great Escaper, will be his last film as the English actor announcing that he's done making movies. He's a two-time Oscar winner and at age 90. He said, I keep saying I'm going to retire. Well, I am now. He said that on BBC Radio's 
best of today podcast. He said that over the weekend. And Great Escaper, which was released earlier this month, is Michael Caine's last movie. Do you have a favorite Michael Caine movie? movie? I'd love to hear from you here. But uh, yes, a, a great uh, a great actor for sure. And Michael Caine is starring alongside the late Glenda Jackson in this new movie, playing the role of Bernard Jordan, a 90-year-old who absconds from a care home to attend the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings in France. I need to see this movie, The Great Escaper. Of course, Caine's been in a bunch of movies, some of which are World War II related. He was in The Italian Job. And I think he also was in The Great Escape. No, no, no. The Longest, I'm sorry, he was in The Longest Day. I think he's in that movie. I'm pretty sure a lot of very famous actors are in that 1962 or 63 film that's still probably the best D-Day film ever made. But he was in so many great films in his career. And at 90, he's saying he's going to hang up his... Um, Hang up his acting cleats, if you will. Congratulations to Billy Ray Cyrus. He has officially wed his fiancée, Fire Rose. You're not familiar with Fire Rose? Fire Rose is an Australian singer, and they got engaged to each other a year ago. And over the weekend, they announced that 10-10-23 will always be the beautiful, joyous day that our two souls united as one in holy matrimony. They put this out on a social media post. And they got together and got married. Billy Ray and Fire Rose. I remember when he and Tish got married. That's Miley's mama. They got married in a teepee. I think they're in Williamson County on Billy Ray's farm. I don't think this was a teepee wedding. And I don't even have a location for it. But Billy Ray is off the market, ladies. My deepest sympathies uh, to you. He and Fire Rose are uh, firing it up with a new marriage. Garth Brooks is going to help the Grand Ole Opry posthumously celebrate Keith Whitley. That's awesome news. In 1989, we lost Keith Whitley as he died at age 34 in Goodlettsville, just to the north of Nashville. Oddly enough, I had to look this up. I knew that his song had just come out, but it was at the end of March 1989, that Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old came out on the country chart. And while that was working its way up, Keith Whitley, who had just hit number one with a couple of songs like When You Say Nothing at All, well, he passed away in the same town, Goodlettsville, that Garth Brooks had just been working as a boot salesman. And Garth still lives in the Goodlettsville area. In fact, Garth's house today is only about a half a mile away from the home that Keith Whitley died in, in 1989. And now Garth and the Grand Ole Opry coming out to honor Keith Whitley. I'm sure Lori Morgan's going to be a big part of this. Of course, she is Keith Whitley's widow, and she's a Grand Ole Opry member herself. So stay tuned for more on this story. Keith Whitley, the Ashland, Kentucky native. And more Garth Brooks news to wrap up our second hour of covering all things Southern. Garth is going to open up Friends in Low Places, that's his bar. He's going to open that up with a Black Friday concert. So just after Thanksgiving, if you're in Nashville, you can get your party on at the 
Friends in Low Places Bar in downtown Nashville. Sounds great. More of the Y'all Show coming up. in the world is going on on this Tuesday? And that really is a good question. I'm being serious, y'all. What in the world's going on? We got war in Israel. We've got President Biden heading over there to try to solve things. Antony Blinken currently meeting in Jordan with the Palestinian leader. And then here, back at home, you got confusion. I won't call it outright war. But you got confusion and a war of words going on within the Republican Party as they're trying to, maybe today at some point, push across the finish line Jim Jordan of Ohio as the new House Speaker. And it's going to get likely very ugly behind closed doors. Where's Charlie Rich when you need him? All that's going on in the world that we live in on this Tuesday. October 17th. I'm John Rawl. This is the Y'all Show. You know what? That's why I need to call in relief. And we're going to do that in just a few minutes. We're going to welcome in the Takapola Storyteller here on this Tuesday program. Jerry Short's going to be joining me. And maybe he'll help me make sense of all this craziness going on. Because, man, is it me or, or is this just a crazy time? We're, we're, we're I mean, for me, I'm, I'm longing for the days of Donald Trump to be back in charge. Because at least... The world wasn't about to blow up, for God's sakes, between the Ukraine and Israel. And then Washington, D.C. can't get its act together. We just need to move the capital, like Hank Williams Jr. once said, back to Alabama. Let's put it back in Montgomery. That's where we should have our nation's capital. Or maybe somewhere like East Boga. That would be good. Where, where would you, you know, there was, in case you don't know about this in history, there was a serious consideration for the United States Capitol when it was being bantied about where it would be moved to ultimately in the 1800 time period. There was a serious effort, and it nearly was successful to have the United States Capitol moved to the bright lights, get this, y'all. I'm, I'm pulling this up because I don't want to misread anything historic here, and I know this is not exactly a historic segment typically on the y'all show, but there was almost a chance that a town in Kentucky was going to be our nation's capital. Have y'all ever heard of this story? It's Columbus, Kentucky. On the banks of the Mississippi River in the very western end 
of the bluegrass state. And sure enough, there was some talk about it becoming the nation's capital. I don't know how serious, but there's always been a long-held rumor that Thomas Jefferson, who was president at that time, planned to remove the capital to Columbus. And according to Wikipedia, there's no basis in fact. But I'm going to go with the local rumors of Columbus as it's on that uh, Mississippi River not far from, I guess, Paducah, but it's it's actually close to Cairo, Illinois. And it would have been a nice place. Yeah, it would have been a nice place for a nation's capital. Would have definitely changed things. Instead, what I can prove about Columbus, Kentucky, it was the first spot in America that a guy got his first railroad job. Columbus, Kentucky was where, in 1878, Casey Jones of Jackson, Tennessee, got his first railroad job working as a telegrapher for the Mobile and Ohio Railroad at 15 years old. So how about that? Check it out. And I do believe Columbus, Kentucky is also a town that some of Barack Obama's ancestors lived in prior to the Civil War. I'm pretty darn sure I remember that during his tenure in the White House. Okay, enough crazy talk here on the Y'all Show. Let's get into some other more serious news and notes of the day. We've told you about the world and its potential to uh, have World War III go on with Israel and Palestine and, and more. Make sure, by the way, you call it Palestine and you don't do what I almost did and, and confuse my P words and call it uh, Pakistan. I don't think Israel and Pakistan need to go to war with each other, although that could be possible because Pakistan is a Muslim country. They probably have a lot of support for Palestine. Let's hope we don't get there. Let's hope Joe Biden is going to be a Nobel Prize winning guy here today and can solve all of the world's problems with his trip overseas. We'll be talking to the Takapola storyteller in a few minutes about all of that fun stuff. But real quick, as we wrap up our news headlines for today's y'all show, I do want to bring some good news up and that is retail sales have climbed as report comes out on Monday that retail sales up 0.7% in the month of September as consumers are defying rising prices and interest rates. So people aren't afraid to spend more money even though things are costing so much more. In fact, retail sales are exceeding all expectations, and we're seeing restaurant spending up too. As you're seeing 0.9% at restaurants currently. So something to keep in mind across the southeast Today, let me check this phone call out here. Let's go to the y'all show and see who we got here. Hello, welcome in. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? We're good. How are you? That, that border's a mess, ain't it? 
I haven't really looked at the border, as most people haven't, because we've been worried about the border between Israel and Palestine in addition to the U.S.-Mexican border. But, yeah, go ahead, fill me in. Yeah, oh, God, it's just, just I mean, ongoing. It's just never-ending. That's, what, that's, that's, that's what's going on, Biden, and they all about everybody else's borders, and they're forgetting about ours. It's just wide open. Hey, but really what I was calling about, you know, you were talking about capital, mm-hmm. uh, the United States capital. Uh, I heard some years ago, and I'm not quite sure about this, but some 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 of our older listeners listening might know. But the the Tennessee state capital, if I'm not mistaken, was supposed to be located somewhere near like Parsons, Tennessee, in that area, all right in there back years ago. But there was a big fuss, if I'm not mistaken, by big big property owner that back in those days it had a lot of pull, and I think that's what, if I'm not mistaken. The Tennessee Capitol was actually then located, you know, located in Nashville, where it's at. But if I'm not mistaken, it was supposed to be right there around Parsons, Tennessee, you know, around, uh, you know, where the gravel pits and all those things are all there, right around Darden and all that area right in there. I'm not sure about that. I saw an old map a few months back of Tennessee from around 1820 or so, right when most of West Tennessee was being settled at that point. And there was a town of a large size showing up on this map, and it was north of where you're talking about Parsons. It would basically be Johnsonville, Tennessee. Johnsonville is now New Johnsonville because the the original town of Johnsonville got covered up with the Kentucky Lake addition to the Tennessee River. But Johnsonville was right there. Uh, if you're driving in today's world on Interstate 40, it would have been north of I 40 up toward the Kentucky line, but it was a, a booming little place for a while, but I do believe flooding and probably malaria outbreaks and things like that hurt its its uh, effort. But there was at least consideration from what I was told about moving the state capital from Nashville to that spot. To Nashville's credit, to Nashville's credit, I don't think there's ever been another state ca- capital of Tennessee. I think Nashville's always been the capital. Is that is that right? Uh, as far as I know, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think the original, you know, where they had where it had been planned was, I, you know, from what I heard, was supposed to be somewhere around right, like Parsons. Yeah. Area. Then the, but then, you know, that's, yeah, that's the story I had heard. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the, but then they agreed on, for some reason, they agreed on it due to property disputes and things. They agreed on it, if I'm not mistaken, to be where it's at now in Nashville. Yeah, they, they might want to move it. I, I think I mentioned we should start moving our capitals Hey, you know Trump talked about that. You know, not the capital, but uh, you know, uh, the uh, DC. Well, you know, DC. Yeah. Uh, all that. Uh, it's a mess. He talked about moving it. He talked about moving it and relocating everything out west, and it blew Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> oh, they. It, it, Schumer got to shaking and everything. Won't sick people and send people to people's houses and stuff. You know how he does. I mean, there's a lot of capitals, <laughs> including our nation's capital, that are an absolute mess. I even brought this up on the y'all show before I went on my little hiatus. It, we were just talking about Nashville. You know, Nashville, as a state capital for Tennessee, is a complete 180 from most of Tennessee. It is a liberal bastion, Nashville. And I think, that you know, the Republicans that are in charge of Nashville's legislature, you know, somebody like you ought to just, for fun, propose the idea of moving it to, let's say, Parsons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. His heads would roll, you know what? Yeah, and Parsons would benefit. I think Parsons is the in the uh, poorest county in the state of Tennessee. 
Is it really? Yeah, I think I so. Didn't know that. that that's actually I didn't know that. technically Middle Tennessee, isn't it? That's east of the river, right? Well, well, yeah, well, it's, it's right in between, you know, both rivers. Well, really, I think Parsons now Parsons would be West Tennessee. Then you cross as soon as you cross over the uh, the, uh, I, the the four twelve bridge, mm-hmm. which runs, you know, you know, Highway one hundred bridge too. Right, right. One hundred, one hundred actually ends right there uh, uh, by the four twelve bridge right there. Then it jumps back on, and you go. My apologies, Mount, Tennessee. Mount, I, I get, I'm getting Parsons mixed up with Linden. Linden's on the other side. Linden is from the county that is the poorest county in the state. I do believe. Yeah, now Linden, that's a pretty little town now. Linden's a pretty little town up in that way. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, now Linden would be right in your middle Tennessee because you cross over the Tennessee River to get over yeah. to Linden. Because I was surprised when I read that that's a very, very mm-hmm. rough county, and it's just because there's not a lot of stuff going on. Like I said, Highway 100 comes to there, and I've been down Highway 100 before, and it is a Beautiful route, but man, is it rural. You better not want to be talking on the cell yes, phone. You better not try to call in a show like this when you're driving down Highway 100. You got that right. Yeah, Highway, <laughs> that's right. It's like 104. Now, you jump on 104 right there right there by Beach Lake in Lexington. Mm-hmm. You jump on 104, if you're headed toward Maryland, you, you better be careful because 104, uh, right in there leaving from Beach Lake, the backside there, that's a death trap, brother. It is. Hey, anything else before we bring on our Takapolo storyteller? Oh, let's just thank God for this beautiful country we live in. And everybody just fly your American-made American flag. Just just get ready to fight for this country if need be. Your enemies. Thanks, you, you know what? I appreciate the call. Something tells me that the Takapolo storyteller just heard you say that, and, and he may have a little bit of a different opinion. So why don't we take this break, and when we come back, we're going to bring on – the one and only Takapolo storyteller to get him to talk about maybe what we just heard, as well as what in the world's going on with Joe Biden, and are they going to get it together in D.C. today? Uh, so much, so much. All that's right ahead on the show that shakes the Southland. Thanks for listening. Continuing on with our fun on this Tuesday, y'all show, we accentuate Dixie, and we appreciate you being along for the ride on this program powered by y'all.com. The general of all things Southern, that is me, John Rawl, and we go now to the Takapola Storyteller as he comes on on Tuesdays to give us his fill of what's going on in his slice of Dixie, Jerry Short. How you doing on this Tuesday? Hey, John. Boy, I'm telling you what, this is some Tuesday, isn't it? Uh, just waiting on Wednesday now to see if our president makes a flash in Israel. <laughs> How about him going over there? That was a little surprising to me. Well, you know, I'm getting pretty old, and I've never heard of a president going to a war zone this early before. And... Uh, Really, uh, I think he's up to something. Uh, I, you know, I have a hard time trusting 
our federal government this day and time. And uh, I feel like he's going over to try to uh, get Israel to back off a little bit hmm. instead of just saying, uh, hey, and I'm sure he'll offer them something. Seems to offer everybody something but people in the South. Mm-hmm. And uh, he takes away from us. But, uh, the, you know, the whole government organization right now is uh, – I heard you talking to your previous caller. Oh, and, uh, you heard that. Yeah, I picked up on some of that. And, you know, he's, he's right on a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything he said. It, uh, you know, it's just that um, I just don't uh, back our federal government enough right now to uh, put my flag out. Uh, I, when they raised the flag at ball games with my had a granddaughter that was up made in a homecoming parade this week and uh, this last week. And I always salute because I got 30 years in the military as a reserve components and trained in about everything from special forces ranger to infantry to fighter rescue control to you name it, observer. Uh, and I'm mess sergeant. Never forget that. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, I'm really patriotic, but, uh, boy, it's hard for me to uh, back this government mm, 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 today. And, and when you see the flag, it represents the government? I see it as a government more than I do uh, patriotic. Uh, mm. you, know, when I, you know, I don't want people, it, it, just personally me, you know, I'm on salute. I've had uh, officials. Hold on, Jerry. That, that's the FBI knocking. <laughs> well, they, they can come on and knock because I've probably got a lot more training than they have. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not really worried about them. And uh, I've worked the border also in private. Yeah, life. our previous caller is really caught up on the border. He's called before about the border. What, what would you tell, I believe Austin is his name, what would you relay to Austin about our border situation? Well, Mr. Austin, um, I worked security down there back uh, when um, the government was letting us drill and run pipelines, and I did it for a pipeline company after I had retired from acquisition of timberland and mineral rights. And um, it is uh, really bad. I was at uh, just at Laredo area, Webb County, and I had a, a Mexican uh, farm ranch. That's all I could find to rent and stay in. And uh, I had uh, coyotes uh, leading uh, illegal immigrants across every day. Homeland Security didn't help then. And this has been, you know, four or five, that, six years that ago. That was in the the, the O'Biden the administration. Right. It was that Mr. O'Biden started that. <laughs> and uh, excuse me for not presidenting O'Biden, but uh, Mr. O'Biden started that and Made it really hard. I had a little trouble with, uh, I'd capture a couple and then I would get contacted when I'd call them. They wanted to come. And I went to a school up at Lackland at uh, San Antonio with Homeland Security on what to do in cases of getting somebody like that. And I mean, they would, they would get our vehicles and try to hot wire them and run them through fences. And then they would cry, be all out in the bush. And, you know, those counties there along the border are really rough here deserty and i've 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 been everywhere for all up and down that doggone border and uh, they would come if i was holding somebody 
and I would be holding them at gunpoint. I had license to carry, hmm. and uh, I'd be holding them at gunpoint, and they would tell me, I, I was one who would probably get in trouble. They would say, you know, don't you understand that we our classes were on catch and release, and uh, so they wanted to release them, and that's what we did one time. I had two that uh, they had tried to get a uh, track hoe, and they had stole. What they would do, too, it was real hot. It was 100 degrees in the summer. And they would uh, steal your water coolers. And, uh, you know, they needed something to drink. They'd been out there laying in the dang uh, desert all day. And uh, they would take off with those water coolers. Well, when I released them, you know, Homeland Security standing there getting fussing at me for not catching and release. And they take off with a water cooler through the bro- bro- uh, brambles in the bushes like uh, Battle of New Orleans. Johnny Horton. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I had to put up with all that kind of stuff with them. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, where our government is, and that was before it got as bad as it has today. We, you know, I got to be pretty good friends with a lot of Border Patrol guards out there. And I know they need work. We all need work. We all need jobs. You know, I'm an older person. I still want to work every day. And uh, how old are the you? Dog seventy-seven. You want and, to work uh, at seventy? Why don't you take it easy and get on the golf course? You're seventy-seven, for God's sakes. I'm going to work till I'm a hundred, if God will let me. And uh, and I, my daddy was the same way. He was a he was in World War Two, and he was in the Battle of the Bulge, and he was in the uh, Normandy invasion. And he joined up with Patton, and he went to the Russian line, and and he was a uh, he was the battalion boxing champion. So uh, when he came back home, he would put boxing gloves on me if I didn't dig a post hole right, <laughs> and uh, take me to the shop, and we'd have a boxing match, and uh, and then I would learn how to do a post hole properly. I think maybe some of our people do now, but. You know, I understand they're going to deploy about 200,000. I'm not 200,000, excuse me, 2,000 troops now. And we'll see where what our armies are to Israel. And uh, we're, going to put, we're going to put our got, armed forces on the ground in Israel. Well, they're not talking about ground right now. They're saying they're being uh, real clear that at first, you know, we're talking clerical and hospital, medical, you know, stuff. And, uh, of course, you know, we've got the uh, Eisenhower, and then we've got um, the uh, Gerald Ford uh, uh, carriers moving that way today. And I guess they're in the Mediterranean by now, getting close to the uh, Gaza Strip, you know, on the west coast of the Mediterranean Sea. I'm sure they're getting close. But they got a population of two and a half million, I think, and that little old strip is, what is it, 25 by 6 miles? And uh, they... Uh, I don't know if they've opened the uh, gate to Egypt yet or not. They border them on the south end, I believe. And uh, they don't even want the Palestinians there because, you know, they just can't be trusted. Really? Uh, I, not, I, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, yeah, they hadn't opened the gates yet, I don't think, unless they did today, early. And I hadn't kept up with it today. But, uh, you know, they've been raised by Islamic group, uh, Haas, uh, uh, Hasmus, what, what, Hamas, H-A-S-M, Hamas, there you go. Uh, 90, uh, and they're 99% uh, is, Islamic, and uh, they only 1% Christian in that, uh, I think it was 1%, it's all the Christians, I don't I don't know how they survive in the Gaza Strip, but uh, 
they're not letting them in because they don't trust them. None of the other co- look at Cutter, what they've done. You know, they're backing a lot of stuff. And you know what? You know what Iran? They've already told us that. Uh, hey, you know, y'all start something. If they start something, y'all start something. We're in this thing in a full full bloom. So uh, this thing could really get out of hand quick. And that's the reason I think that uh, Biden is going over there uh, to meet with the Israelis to try to get them from moving that front on in. It's kind of like the squad in Washington says, uh, why don't we just both sides after we've already eliminated so many people, got so many hostages I saw today instead of uh, uh, 150, it's 250 hostages probably now. And... uh, you know, they're in those tunnels in the Gaza Strip. So they're saying, hey, let's just hold this up, our, our squad. Uh, let's just have a ceasefire from both sides. Well, you know, they've already done all the damage that they wanted to do. Uh, you know, and they know they can get away with. Now, they don't want to get uh, completely annihilated, which that's what will happen if Israelis move through there. You know, they're sitting there with... Uh, with uh, howitzers and tanks, and uh, you know you got to put foot soldiers on the ground. They've called up what four hundred thousand uh, uh, soldiers that uh, you know they have to serve to their about thirty eight years old, and they keep their equipment with them. And you call them up, and they're ready to go the next day, like the National Guard in America used to be. Um, but uh, it's not quite that way uh, with us over here now, which worries me a heck of a lot. Yeah. We're talking with our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, here on the Y'all Show. If you got a question or comment for Sergeant Short, you're welcome to text us here and uh, see if he can't answer. We appreciate all you catching us here on this developing story day as Joe Biden heading to Israel. Also, you got Anthony Blinken today in Jordan meeting with the Palestinian leader. So, in the I know we're not supposed to necessarily be pro-Palestinian for the most part here in this country, other than the squad, it appears. But do you have any compassion for Palestinians, Jerry? Well, I'm sure there's good people in every group. Um, and, you know, they're kind of trapped. If you think about, you know, when Egypt got that uh, land, uh, what was that, 48 maybe or something like that, 1948? Mm-hmm. And uh, they cut off the... Um, Gaza Strip, I believe, about that time. And, uh, you know, it was all Palestinian people. And uh, everything was okay till a few outbreaks, like the one in 72 or 3, and then we had another one in the 50s. And then it become under, uh, it become under Hasmas. Uh, 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 I have a hard time saying I'm sorry. How about Hasmas? Uh, uh, yeah. And, yeah, law. And uh, they, they law. control it. Yeah, they control it. And uh, they're controlling all the Palestinians. And I'm sure there's Palestinians there that don't don't like the control any more than we would here. Mm-hmm. If uh, but as we are controlled, it looks like by uh, judges and Democrats and uh, excuse me, Democrats, if I uh, offended anyone. But uh, you certainly have control, and you know we've got to compromise. I mean, we compromised back in the day with Reagan. And, uh, you know, they would get together with the Democrats and compromise. And you, you've got to have some comprom- compromising somewhere 
to make it work out. And it's no compromise in, uh, in that part of the world now and here either. So, uh, you know, we're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. And I feel really, uh, I'm really worried about it. I, you know, I really fought it a lot. If I wasn't 77, um, uh, I would want to be part of it. You know, I've, I went back and, uh, uh, I was already out in, uh, 911 and I went back to join up. But by the time they got all my paperwork done, it was going to be six months. By that time, I realized that our government had got us in another political war like Nam. And, um, so I, I didn't go on through with it. And then you, you see how it lasted 20 years. And then we have to retreat from Afghanistan and lose people and lose the, the, as we would speak about here, some Palestinians that I believe would help us just like they did a, in a quake. Mm. Um, I believe that uh, they would be trapped just like those people ended up, a lot of them ended up dead. And now with the technology we have today with drones that can take you out just boom, boom overnight. Um, you know, there's so many things out there now that we didn't have back when I was in. You know, I'm getting pretty old, too. You know, I go back. Not to, really. You said you're going to live yeah. to work till 100. If I'm alive, if I'm alive. <laughs> but uh, well, don't die. You know, you, no, I'm not. You know, and then the, I feel just I, I'm worried that this is going to end up like the Kuwait War did, the Gulf War, the Desert Shield, as we call it. I was called up for that as a forward observer for the outfit out of uh, of uh, of a uh, uh, Fort Hood, Texas. And artillery outfit, a 155 Hylister unit, and uh, trained in the uh, Mojave Desert at NTC in California. And um, then um, we were getting ready to fly out of uh, Norton Air Base down at San Bernardino when the war was over with so quick. You know, it just ended, bloom. You know, Schwarzkopf went on, and, it, and we had some allies that were supposedly helping also, but we went on. Uh, after the Iranians to, uh, went on up into, uh, into across the border at uh, Kuwait. And uh, it was just over with overnight. They had this guard that they call a Republic Guard that we were really training to fight on, on foot. And, you know, wars are going to be won on the ground. You've got to go in and clean it up. And it's not the generals that win the war, it's the sergeants that win the war and the men behind them. So... Uh, that's what we were going to do, and we didn't do it. So uh, some way that thing got called off. Yep. So, Sergeant. Uh, Sergeant. Yes. You listen yep, to me. Yep. I'm your commanding officer here on this show. I'm listening. That's All one right. thing we're taught to listen to you, commanding officer, so you shoot ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, General Rawl here wants to direct your attention now. Instead of talking about the Middle East, let's talk about what in the heck's going on in Washington, D.C. As Republicans are still trying to come up with a Speaker of the House, what is the Taka Polo Storyteller's summation of what's going on with Republicans trying to find a new House Speaker? Well, you know, there's a couple of words. I guess one would be embarrassment, and the other would be there must be too many rhinos in the Republican Party. And... uh you know, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard of a thing to do. You, know, you can always just do it temporary and let's move on with the business of the of the government. And uh, since they control the purse strings, obviously, uh, they need they need to be in uh, in session today. You know, they don't need to be on vacation and they don't need to be home and they don't need to be trying to get votes. 
I think they need to be in, in, in session today. And, uh, you know, we've already had a couple that have backed out, and we've already had one thrown out. And uh, I believe uh, we've got the votes now for one. We'll find out. I believe they vote to maybe tonight, hopefully. And uh, if they do, uh, we, we'll go back to business as usual, hopefully. Well, the likely so, uh, person that's going to emerge victorious if that happens today is Jim Jordan. Mr. Right. I'm not going to wear a sport coat. What is your opinion of the <laughs> former college national champion wrestler? Well, I like a tough guy. And uh, obviously uh, a wrestler is a tough guy. And uh, he speaks with uh, authority. I like that. And uh, he would be my choice. You know, uh, Solis was okay. But uh, I think he's got some health problems, and uh, I believe he's got a blood disease right now, if I'm not wrong. And, uh, you know, you don't know what that could turn into. I think we need somebody in there that can continue to fight on. And uh, so that's who I'm That's who I, I'm backing him, uh, just like Donald Trump backed him. Mm. And, uh, are so you, I'm in, are you that, and Trump having discussions about this? Is he calling you? Oh. Uh, you know, I don't know why I haven't heard today. I usually hear, but uh, I ain't heard today. I usually hear where they need the donation. <laughs> but, uh, no, just all jokes aside on the donation part. But uh, I would donate to him if I won the lottery. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough It's going to be a tough campaign. You know, they're doing everything. You keep up with what's happened here lately on a semi-gag order that he can't talk about Jack Smith. And he can't talk about that bunch. I mean, you know, that worries me. And uh, But he can go ahead and he can talk about other things. But he can't talk about the prosecution. And uh, I don't know if that's the Constitution. I'm sure that'll go to the uh, courts and uh, Supreme Court. Probably won't even hear it. They'll probably throw it out, hopefully. So, uh, yeah, I, the, the, what's going on in Washington right now definitely, definitely kind of sticks in my craw. It's not a good thing. It's... Uh, they can't. We only have one branch of the three, obviously. So with one branch, looks like we could get it all together. You know, it just doesn't make sense. I know when it came out last time, and uh, the the represent the uh, speaker was kicked out. Um, people that I used to think were pretty good, they all came out against the eight that voted against him. And uh, you know, I, it just. Uh, they just cannot, the Republicans cannot stick together like the Democrats do. The Democrats don't even look into reasons why, cause, or what it may happen from what they do. They just stick together, period. Do, do you know why, and do you know how that happens on the Democratic side? My main thinking on it is, is because they know they're keeping votes, and they're keeping their uh, catering to a certain group of Americans. And a lot of them is your friend that you called in earlier about the border. They're getting those people in, and they're making citizens, and they're making voters out of them. And if they get this one and stay in control like they're doing now, if they're trying to do, they, they don't want to make us. Uh, they don't want to ruffle any feathers because they're wanting to make it look like they're all on one page and they're right. And if you listen to the man on the street interviews. Uh, about what Harvard students have done, those groups, you know, and about everybody else's students around the country, the younger people, uh, a lot. It seems like it's a lot of, of 
housewives, younger suburban housewives that uh, are still think Biden is thinking with a clear head. And I understand, uh, not jokingly, but uh, they, uh, you know, how a blind person has a uh, see, seeing eye dog to lead them around. They say that uh, Biden now has a seeing eye woman to lead him around. And that would be Jill. Ah, Jill came Dr. Out, Jill. Jill came, Dr. Jill came out the other day at his last speech when he was uh, uh, said a few words about uh, the situation in Israel, but he kind of he kind of talked down the middle on it like he would. But she had to come out and get him and lead him off of the stage, stage left and uh, <laughs> not right because he was looking to his right side. So, uh, he has a problem you know, getting off stages. I saw Trump actually has a little routine in his speeches now, and he was speaking in Iowa on Monday, and he did this whole deal where he pretended to go one way and off to it's pretty <laughs> yeah. pretty funny stuff from yeah, DJT. Yeah. Uh, the, the answer I was looking for, you didn't give me the answer I was looking for. I actually oh, heard, okay. I believe Matt Gates say this. You know what the Democrats have and the reason they're in complete unison? They have a mob boss leading them. And do you That's know who true. that? Do you know who that is? Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, my personal thoughts is that it's the uh, president before Trump. Well, that's the person that probably is the ultimate mob boss. Which, but but right there his, in in the building, they have a mob boss, and the Democrats' uh, mob boss continues to be Nancy Pelosi. In oh, fact, sure. they have a majority. They have a minority leader in Hassan Jeffries or Hakeem Jeffries, mm. rather. Yeah. And and I was told that he's a leader in name only. That truly, the boss is still Nancy Pelosi. To her credit, I mean, I don't know why they're oh, scared yeah. of her, but they are. And the Republicans don't have that equivalent. No, no, and they don't have any. You know, it's uh, it's like. Uh, you know, we really never did. We we think we did when um, when uh, what's his name from Georgia uh, was elected Speaker of the House. Uh, uh, oh gosh, his wife was uh, UN to the uh, uh, Vatican, but um, Mr. Gingrich, yeah, yeah New, New Gingrich. Uh, he really he he was he tried to compromise, but I think he went a little bit too far in that direction. And he really, you know, he didn't have a war going on. There wasn't as much money being spent around the world for everything. They weren't giving all this stuff away internally either. He had it a lot easier. He got a lot of credit. But when he come out the other day and he called those eight that were from Matt, it's when he uh, got the speaker thrown out, he called them traitors. And uh, I thought that was pretty weak of him to say that, is him being in those positions before and to call them traitors. You know, I mean, I guess he was thinking about what it would have been like if it would happened to Newt himself. But, uh, you know, when he was first elected, you know, I even ordered a gavel. You could order gavels for about $100. I ordered one of his gavels. But then as time went on, you know, and he didn't stay on long enough. You know, I, I think we'll have to have time limits, but he should have probably stayed a little longer. The hotter it got, the quicker he got out. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, 
I never did really. After that fact, uh, I wasn't the biggest Newt Gingrich fan in the world either, yeah. even though I had to gavel. <laughs> Wrapping up but, our conversation with the Takapolo storyteller real quick. So, Jerry, I was away. We we weren't doing our thing last week. I apologize to all of our listeners. I apologize to you. I was away last week. But while away, I had a chance to talk to my father. My father's having some real health problems these days, and he made, a, he, he made a request to me or really to my whole family. And he was in a good, he was in good spirits and was in a pretty good, having a good day that day. So I know it wasn't something that he was doing, uh, as a, a last request by any means, but you got to help me out on this since you and Trump talk so much. My dad requested hmm. that Trump come to his funeral. Do you think you can make that happen? Uh, you know, he probably should. I think he is. Uh, <laughs> and that funeral could be 25 years from now. I don't know, but he did request that. So it's up to you, Jerry. Well, I'm going to work on it. Uh, I wanted Reagan in mind, but he didn't make it. But uh, we'll uh, we'll work on it and see what we can do. I know a few people behind the scenes in Washington mm-hmm. and uh, see what I can do, okay? All right. Well, my and, dad actually uh, has had a, he's, he, he's actually had conversations with Trump. I'm, I'm not joking on this one. He he's, no, I know. He's I, talked to yeah. Trump. So I mean, but they I guess they don't have each other's cell phone number. So uh, you know, 20 years from now, if that time comes or whenever, uh, Donald Trump, if you're listening, maybe you could show up or show up well, at I, my, my I, funeral I, first. I don't care. Okay, I think Trump will probably have a uh, a uh, rally in. Uh, the same place. I think he had a rally on some of your father's uh, property. And uh, if I'm, am I right on that? Uh, he hasn't had one yet. Now I'm talking about previously in his first. Yeah, election. he did. He did in 2016, but Trump hasn't so, gone back there. In fact, no, his, his competitors well, have. As Ron DeSantis has already had a rally on that same property, as well as yeah. the great Nikki Haley has had a big rally there. Yeah, she kind of changed her story around a little bit when she first come out and said that we uh we were a country of immigrants coming from everywhere that we might need the palestinians to come here and then that got out and uh she changed her story the next uh probably within two hours that uh now they needed to be taken in by some of the palestinians in other uh, parts of that world which don't seem to be happening which i don't understand they're not taking them jerry we got we got a skedaddle but I'm sorry should. for being so political. No, and, no, no, no. It's a lot of political stuff going on right now, and I appreciate you okay. uh, turning the heat up on political talk. We'll get into the uh, goofy stuff again, perhaps with you next week. But we always That'll love work. talking to the Takapola storyteller, and we're going to go ahead and book President Biden for your funeral one of these days. Uh, you, you, whoa, you said the wrong one there. No, no, I said, I said Biden. You're a Biden God. man, aren't you? Uh, well, if you see an eye dog, or bring him if she can find the graveside. I guess so. No, I'm not a Biden fan at all. Oh, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be uh, whoever else, whatever uh, independent or Republican wins, I'll probably right. be there. The Takapola storyteller. Right. You have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, man. All right, we're gonna wrap up the y'all show right after this break. We're gonna continue our discussion from Monday about shrimp. You don't want to miss it.
want to thank again Todd Starnes for being on with us on today's Y'all Show in Hour 2 and our Takapola Storyteller as we just had him on the program. Going to wrap things up with an addendum to our Monday show. We were talking about eating shrimp, and I didn't actually have a chance to tell you about some of the great nutritional benefits of eating shrimp tails, as it is something that's got plenty of fiber, and it's essential. A shrimp tail, if you want to eat that next time you're picking out on fried shrimp or boiled shrimp, it has both a bone health and immune function to it and lots of other advantages. So, yes, shrimp tails on the menu tonight when you're cooking on the grill. And I want to also let you know that uh, there's something called C-H-I-T-I-N, not to be confused with chitlin. It's, I guess, chitin, but that's the dietary fiber found in shrimp tails. So go check it out. Google that. I found this info at edithsbistro.com. And you can do your own research on shrimp tails. So there you have it. And that is a way to end our Tuesday show. Thank you so much for listening to the show all about the South.